Amen. And so it is right and proper to be thankful that you live in this country. Amen. And sometimes that perspective of leaving and coming back helps you to be thankful for it. Amen. When I was a teenager, I went to uh, Africa by way of Amsterdam. And um, even as a teenager, I could just tell, man, this is a little different over here. And uh, then obviously a couple of uh, months ago, my wife and I went to Italy and uh, traveled back and just thought, wow, I'm thankful. You know, I'm thankful that I get to live where I live. I'm careful to say that because I know the Lord is listening. <laughs> But I know I, I, I'm joking. I'm very thankful of this country and the freedoms that we have here in this country. And uh, I don't think we should take it for granted. I think we should be thankful for that. Amen. Why don't you stand with me one more time? I'm going to dismiss our children to their class upstairs and their teacher. Amen. And uh, I am thankful again to be here and I'm thankful that you are here I know that many of you had uh, have just got back from trips or you're in the middle of a of a, a weekend and thank you for being here today uh, I am excited about what the Lord is doing in this congregation and uh, his spirit um, marks us amen it's good to have sister Debbie with us today this is, if you haven't met her yet, Brother Hart's fiance, and uh, he can give her a more proper introduction than I can. And no, I'm not going to make you testify today, I don't think. Brother Hart might, but no, I'm just joking. I, I, I want to turn this over to Brother Hart right now. He has all the liberty in the world to make her come up here and testify as his visitor. Amen. Amen. Brother Hart. Amen. I won't, I won't do that to her today. <laughs> Someday, though. Good to have her, her cousin, Kaylee, as well with us from Sunnyside. Glad they made the, made the commute. I'm thankful that all of you are here to, today. Amen. I... Um, I'm proud to be an American as well, um, but I'm even more grateful to be part of the kingdom of God. We're part of a, a land, a kingdom, a nation that is not of this world. This nation is going to pass away. It might even be sooner than we think, but his heavenly kingdom will not pass away, will not fail, it, and it won't stop increasing either. And I'm thankful for that today. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Excited for, as, as Elder said, what, what the Lord is doing in this, this congregation. You know, we, we go through seasons, times of difficulty 
some struggles, some, some fiery trials, as have been talked about recently. And they're never comfortable, they're never fun during the process. But if we would get the right attitude and the right spirit about going through those things, then I'm convinced you'll get through them a lot quicker. <laughs> some, some people, they never get out of a fiery trial because they never stop complaining about it. <laughs> and the Lord, everything, every day, He wants it to be a lesson for us, something to develop us. Everything that the Lord does is with a purpose. It's nothing's by accident. And believe the same about today, about each person that's here today. Even, even though I'm just a person, I believe there's, there's a purpose in me being here today, me being asked to minister today and what the Lord may do through that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. I, I don't want to take long. Um, I want to try to move quickly through what I do feel. Turn to, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. You know, we, we sang a bunch this morning about the, the glory of God. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And we sang about how he's, he's holy. He's a holy God. The Bible says that we are to be holy as he is holy. That holiness is a separation from this world and a separation unto him. And his glory is, is a manifestation of his presence. It's a manifestation of him in a place. And, you know, oftentimes we come, we come to, to church and, and it's, it's become sort of taboo even to say that we feel the presence of God. And I think if we're not careful, we can take that for granted that we're feeling the literal presence of God among us in a place, in a natural place, and as, as just mere humans made of the dust. And, but what I want to talk about today is that I believe that there's an even deeper place, an even greater place that we maybe are just on the outskirts of on a weekly basis, but that God wants us to live in on a daily basis. Um, I'm going to read here in Hebrews chapter 9. There's so much here. but for sake of time, I'm going to do my best to, to paraphrase some of it. And he's, he's here, the writer is speaking of, of the tabernacle from the Old Testament in the wilderness. And most of you have probably seen the, a, a picture, a recreation of that tabernacle. And it really was nothing fancy. It was a big tent, uh, just a big rectangle tent with kind of a perimeter around it. It was known as the outer court where the, where the altar was and the brazen laver. And then you had the first, first layer, that first veil that entered into the holy place. And here in the, in the book of Hebrews, 
it, it speaks of it as the first, the first tabernacle. Uh, if you want to read with me, and we'll start in verse 6. He says, now these things were thus ordained, and he just kind of gave a description of the, of the tabernacle. So these things are the tabernacle, the, the instruments in that tabernacle. They were thus ordained, the, and the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Everyone say with me, the first tabernacle. Man, I find it interesting in its wording there. Then verse 7 says, but into the second or the second tabernacle went the high priest alone once every year. Just one time he had that opportunity. Just one time he got the chance to, to go into that most holy place, that holiest of holy place, where then the rest of the children of Israel in their separated kind of in their tribes and their camp all set up around the tabernacle, they just got to watch the glory descend from the outside and see and imagine what it must feel like and be like to be on the inside. But only the high priest had that privilege. Only the high priest had that opportunity. And it wasn't even something that was open up to him whenever he wanted. He couldn't say, man, I'm having a hard day. It'd be really nice to get into that inner place, that most holy place, and just feel the presence of God. He had to wait for once a year. And it was a a huge deal. It was a huge day. It was what they called the Day of Atonement. Because every single day, they made sacrifices for their sins. Just pushing it forward, pushing it forward. But it was on that day, that one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, that he got to go into the most holy place where the mercy seat of God was. And he got to bring some of the blood from that sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And their sins would be pushed forward for another year. It was a great day of celebration. Rightfully so, they, they knew, okay, we're, we're good. Our sins are pushed forward. But again, I want to emphasize it was once a year. Just one day out of the year. And it wasn't without blood, of course, but it was which he offered for himself, the priest speaking of, and for the errors of the people. Verse 8 says, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So when, it, when the scripture, especially in the New Testament, when it speaks of the first tabernacle, what it's talking about is, is the old system, the old way, the, the way of the law and the Old Testament. And the, the new or the, that thing that was not yet made manifest of the way into the most holy place, the access for everyone, it was a, it was a symbol shown by the Holy Ghost but it hadn't yet been fully made manifest. We'll continue to read here. Verse 9 says, speaking of that first tabernacle, 
which was a figure. It was just an illustration. It was just an example of what was to come for the time present. It was a figure for the time, sorry, it was a figure for the time then present in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. He knew they were getting pushed forward a year, but it was still in the back of his mind. Man, it's not perfect yet. But the children of Israel, they, they had the promise and knew that someday our Savior is going to come. He's going to be that perfect sacrifice. Um, jump with me to, to chapter 10. Fast forwarding here, there's, there's a lot I would love to read. While you're turning there, one of the verses in, in chapter 9 says, says that Christ being come and high priest, this is 9 verse 11, so I'm taking a pit stop on my way to chapter 10. It says, Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. So there was, there was also a new tabernacle that was to come. And it was a tabernacle that was not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Not of a natural building. And he goes on to say it's not by the blood of goats. It's not a natural sacrifice or, or something that, that you can do yourself. But it was him that came once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse 14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall his blood purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So much more. <laughs> so much more. He can do a perfect work in us. And that's the place that he wants us to live. Amen. And we know that, this is, I'll kind of paraphrase, we know that, as the scripture says, that there is no remission but by the shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness except blood be shed. We see it from the very beginning from, with Adam and Eve, the very first sin of humanity that entered the world. There also had to be shedding blood of blood for their sin to be covered without shedding of blood there is no remission and I believe what I want to try to communicate and relay today is I believe that the holy place the example of that in the Old Testament I believe that it is an example of heaven and verse 24 here in chapter 9 again kind of shows us that. It says, says, For Christ he entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now turn with me to, to chapter 10. You're kind of getting the picture. I think, think we all know and are aware. 
that the Old Testament tabernacle, it was just a type. It was just a shadow of that perfect that was to come, of Jesus Christ who would robe himself. I, I find this so amazing. He was, he was the high priest and he was the sacrifice. <laughs> he offered himself as the high priest. And so he came, he had the right, he had the ability as a high priest to make the sacrifice, and he came, robed himself in flesh, and stayed perfect, spotless, to be able to be the sacrifice that would work forever. That one offering, that one sacrifice, put an end to our need for daily sacrifice of animals, at least, (laughs) of bulls. And of goats. But we're not, we're not completely off the hook. Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you for letting me make that little detour. What I want to, there's a lot I want to communicate today, but what I felt just charged by the Lord to do is, is what verse 24 in Hebrews 10 says it says to let us consider one another we've been trying to do that lately right our unity thinking be getting in the same mind getting the same thoughts let us consider one another I consider I consider brother brother Vance during my day during my time of prayer consider sister sister Magda Brother Alberto, I consider them when I consider this. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like to be provoked (laughs) about many things. There's some other places in the scripture that says you shouldn't provoke your brother. (laughs) But... We should provoke them to love and to good works. You know, I made a reference last week, or maybe it was Tuesday night, about fellowship and iron sharpening iron. This is, this is an example of that. If we're fellowshipping with somebody who will strengthen us, that time, that fellowship, that communion should be provoking us unto good works. If you're fellowshipping with people who aren't encouraging you to pray more, aren't encouraging you to lift up another brother, or here's one, if, if you're spending time with people and all they're doing is talking about other people, I promise you they're not encouraging you, they're not provoking you to good works or to love. Because you can say, oh, it's not gossip, it's true. That's still gossip. <laughs> Or you can say, well, I was just talking about them because they talked about me. Still gossip. (laughs) Still not good works. Still not love. That we're supposed to provoke one another to. And I I, I love this. The verse before that says, let us hold fast the faith. And Elder talked about that on on Tuesday night, the faith. Because we'll go through trials of our faith, but we have to hold fast the faith. And, and the profession of our faith without wavering. As James said, let the trying of your faith, it works patience. Don't let anything be wavering. 
for he that is faithful, for he is faithful that promised. And then verse 25, watch this. I know I'm jumping all weird here. 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day, what day is that talking about? It's, it's what Bishop talked about a Sunday ago. What time is it? It's the end time. It's the time when the approaching of the day of the Lord is, is at hand. We see that day approaching more and more every single day. How much more do we need to provoke one another to good works and to love and to not forsake the fellowship, the assembling of ourselves together? So that's kind of the spoiler <laughs> of what I feel to do today. Provoke us to love and good works. So I gave you the beginning, gave you the ending already. So let's kind of jump to the middle for a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Remember we're talking about the tabernacle. And we're talking about... Uh, and this is just kind of my personal opinion. I don't know that necessarily the scripture says this, but I, I feel that the, the reason it words it that way, the first tabernacle and the second tabernacle, meaning the holy place and then the most holy place, uh, which if you, if you look at a picture of that, it's one tent. It's, it's one structure with just two rooms inside. But I believe that it... it describes it as the first and the second because I, I think that the first, the, the holy place is representative of the Old Testament and then the most holy place representing the New Testament and then that veil in the middle which Christ gave us passage through he's that bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament and he didn't, he didn't create a new building, a new structure because he didn't do away with the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. So he tied it all together when he was robed in flesh, when he was crucified. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> Could be wrong, but it seems, seems like it makes sense. It's not a new thing. It's a new covenant. It's a new system, but it's still connected to the old. It fulfills the Old Testament. It fulfills the law through Christ keep getting sidetracked here. Verse 19. Man, there's so much good stuff in here. I don't want to skip it. Let me just read quickly before we go to verse 19 in chapter 10. I'm going to read quickly from verse 1. Now, speaking of the law, it says, for the law having a shadow of good things and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But as we talked about, they still had it in the back of their mind. It was still there. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Because they had to do it every year. 
For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats, kind of already talked about that, the, the bulls and goats, they can't take it away forever. They're not, they're not uh, spotless completely. Um, and then verse 9 says, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Takes away the law, that first way, that first plan that wasn't perfect, that he may establish the second or the new, the new covenant, the new testament. And this is how he does it. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. I'm thankful for that because the priests, they had to do it daily, 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 just getting so covered in blood and, and guts of these bulls and goats and the birds and tearing them apart. And it was not a pretty picture. And it, it definitely didn't smell nice either. <laughs> and I just probably won't do this very well, but paint the picture a little bit for you of that process they would just they would come into as I said you have the big the tabernacle and then there's like a a barrier or border around it which is the outer court and you know the scripture talks about we enter his courts with thanksgiving or we enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving um, and I feel like this is a progression a lot of times of of church services too and Christians because, you know, we see, a, we see a surge, especially in the denominal church world, of, of contemporary Christian music. And not even just the church world. It seems like it's, in the secular world, become a, even become a popular thing. You got Justin Bieber going to churches because they've got good music. <laughs> and whoever else. Which, good. I, I want to see Justin Bieber saved, too. <laughs> but there's become a focus on on the entertainment side of it and I'm not going to get into all that but I think not only that but there's become a a contentment with just the outer courts there's there's come a contentment with just the praise and the thanksgiving and and we were we're this close from the glory of God where we could see it we we think it's there we can feel the goosebumps of it but Man, that next step is the altar, though. <laughs> that next step is where it gets bloody, <laughs> where it gets a little nasty and smelly, and, and I got to offer some things. And Oh, wait, and it's not bulls and goats anymore? It's me? <laughs> yep. We got to offer ourselves now as a living sacrifice. And often that's where I think a lot of us and, you know, we, we say it a lot, uh, maybe at fault, about other churches or other denominations. or the, I, I'm, I'm terrible about it. But what about us here in our congregation? Can we, can we bring, it, bring it home <laughs> for a few minutes? You know, we can be satisfied or content with the good worship service and say we feel the presence of God. And then even hear some good preaching. Maybe we, maybe we do have that life or that, that daily altar in our lives where we have a prayer life. And then we have that brazen labor a little bit where we kind of get ourselves cleaned up. And maybe we do go th past that first curtain and we get a little bit of the bread, the show bread on Sunday morning. 
and uh, we have the Holy Ghost, so we've got that that part down, um, or maybe we don't yet. Maybe that that's not lit yet for some of us. But at least we're in the holy place. At least we're out of the outer court, and we we offer up the incense to to get rid of that stench of 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 the sacrifice before. But if we're not careful, we can get content right there too, at that at that next place. We we we're now even closer to the glory of God. We're now even closer to the most holy place, but we're still not where he wants us to live. But us, we, we're not talking about other churches today, not talking about other denominations, talking about Life Church, Union Gap, Joel Hart, <laughs> you fill in your name, can get content right there. Because, and I'm, I am, I am so, so, so thankful for the ministry that we receive here. Anybody, I, I don't know about you, but for me at least, over the last at least month, Elder, I, I, I just feel like a, the only way I kind of know how to put it is like a depth of, of anointing uh, that I feel like you've been walking in. And that ministry that we are receiving on a weekly and bi-weekly basis, that bread that we get the privilege of taking of that's hot, it's fresh, it's not stale, it's not something that's been taken off somebody else's table, but it's fresh weekly, and it nourishes us, it satisfies us, but too often we stop there, turn around, go back out through the first curtain, go back out to the outer courts and leave, because we got close to his presence because we're satisfied to have heard a good word and know that another one's going to come on Tuesday know that another one's going to come on next Sunday and the next and the next and we can live in that cycle of being content in just the the first in just that outer place and never going through the veil never going into the most holy place where he wants us to live. Verse, verse 19 says that having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't you can get close. You can get to the outer court. You don't even have to be just in the camp. You can get to the outer courts, but you can't go to the holy place or the most holy place without the blood. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I am so saddened by with so much of churchdom, even in this room, is that we're satisfied with just coming and feeling the presence of God we're satisfied with coming and getting close to it and never applying the blood, never putting ourselves on the altar, never going through that process to say, God, I'm not satisfied with just the holy. 
I want the most holy. I want the place where the glory literally comes down upon and sits there where your throne is, where your presence truly is. Not just a place that I take of what other people have gotten into, but a place where I have put myself on the altar and went to. And we need to have boldness to enter that place by his blood. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us. Like we talked about, he came, he robed himself in flesh. He did this for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. By his flesh, he made access for us through the veil. So why aren't we going through it? Why don't we live past it? He did it once. Do we, do we need him to be crucified every day? Of course not. What's amazing is Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it, it literally talks about as he's being crucified in that very moment, the veil of the temple rent in two. That place that it hadn't yet been manifested of how we could enter on our own by His flesh that was perfect. By His flesh that He knew was the only way to give us access. He tore it. And He said, okay, now it's up to you. You apply my blood, you get baptized in my name, you're filled with my spirit, and come. Come to that veil, and I'll bring you right on in. It's a place that I believe he wants us to live daily. The scripture says in John chapter, chapter 1 and verse 14 that familiar to us we know that is the word made, the word was made flesh and it dwelt or it tabernacled, made a tent and came among us. And it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We've seen the, the glory of God manifested. We know he came and he robed himself in flesh and died for us. And I, I find this so amazing, this picture. And this is something that my, my dad teaches and does a much better job, so I'm not going to try. But he talks about that. The, little, the literal path that the Lord made to us in coming in the flesh is he came down from his throne of glory, that most holy place. He came down from that most holy place where the mercy seat is, where the cherubims touch. And he came down from that place and came through the veil, putting on the veil of the flesh. And then he came through the holy place into the outer court where we were and then was that sacrifice for us 
so that now he can bring us from outside of the camp, us present our bodies a living sacrifice, and go with him into glory. And I, you know, I mentioned that I, I believe this is a place he wants us to live every day. And you, you might be saying, well, I thought you said that it's, it's heaven, though. And I, I believe the scripture shows us evidence of this. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, you know, we, we're, we're still in the flesh. We're still in this world, but we're spiritual beings. And especially when we get filled with the Spirit of God, You know, but before I, before I read that, and you can turn, go ahead and turn there, Ephesians chapter 2. I feel like the Lord kind of made me aware of this as well, because there's a lot of people who, probably even in this, this church, who you're struggling to, you're struggling to what you think receive the Holy Ghost. And you think that, I, you know, we've heard people even say, well, it, it, when it's God's time, it'll happen. I'm just waiting on God's time. But that's not, that's not biblical. It's been his time since Acts chapter 2 when his spirit came down. But I believe something that the Lord kind of made me aware of through this tabernacle is that one of the things that's holding us up from receiving the Holy Ghost, if that is you, is the veil. It's your flesh. And that's, of course, all, that's all encompassing of many things that get into our flesh. Bitterness. I think one of the biggest things is unforgiveness I've seen when it comes to not receiving the Holy Ghost. Because, why? Because forgiveness is supposed to take place back on the altar when you present your body a living sacrifice. That's for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's not just, this is something that I, I love about the Scripture, is it's not just our sins that we're repenting of or forgiving. You look in Acts chapter 2, it's often misquoted and says, for the forgiveness of your sins... But it doesn't say that. It says, for the forgiveness of sins. It's the sins that you have and the sins that people have committed against you. And many of you have repented. You started the process. And it's, for some it's been weeks. For some it's been years. But you're not forgiving others. And that's turned into now a root of bitterness. And so you're stuck at that place. Which obviously is not the, the will of God. He wants to bring us all into that place. He wants us all to be free. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Now, see the, the wording of this, it's present tense. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
didn't say he would put us into heavenly places once we die, but he has set us in heavenly places. He has made us to sit together in heavenly places. And I believe that that's what the daily going through the veil, daily denying of ourselves, daily presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, I believe that's what it entails, is getting us through that veil so that we can sit with him in heavenly places before we get to heaven, before we pass from this life to the next. We should live in that place. It's just like Enoch. He walked with God and he was not because he'd been walking with God so closely, so much, that his flesh wasn't seen anymore. And it got to the point God said, all right, he's learned all he needs to learn there. I just want him here with me because he's walked with me so closely. And so that's what it is to walk with God. Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. So what that, that tells me I need to deal with the flesh if I want to get into his presence. And that's, like I said, that's where so many of us get hung up. But I want to provoke you today unto love and to good works. Not to be satisfied in the outer court. Not to be satisfied just with the praise, the thanksgiving, watching everybody else feel the glory of God but I want to provoke you to deal with the flesh whatever that looks like whatever you got to do there should be a, a resolve and a righteous indignation in us that says I am I'm done living on the outskirts of it I'm done just watching it happen for that church or this church or for that person and this person I want to go into the most holy place where the presence of God is, where his mercy is, the angelic is, where the miracles are. And the last, last thing I'll share is, it's, it's pretty cool. Something that I kind of believe too is they say that, that the, the steps to that veil of the most holy place is, is six steps, six paces. I'm assuming that's from the first curtain. Um, and they say it's six paces, the, the number of man, the steps of, of man. And it, Bishop, I think, talked about that too, 666 on last Sunday, the, the number of man that will be established and, and the Antichrist comes. But the six, the number of man, it's, it's the number of, of, of what we're capable of. It's, it's the place that we're capable of getting to ourselves, to right in front of the veil. 
we've we've made the we've made the sacrifice we've done the worship we've done all the things that we can do and i many believe that and the scripture doesn't actually say how thick that curtain was but it says how how wide and how tall it was i think it was like 20 by 10 or 30 by 20 it was huge and some rabbinical writings say that it would take about 300 priests or Levites to just be able to wash that thing because of how massive it was. And the same, same writings, uh, they say that it was, it was about the thickness of, of a hand, of a man's hand. So you imagine a curtain that size, the size of this platform and as thick as my hand is. And imagine trying to, to get through that thing. And this is where I've, I've heard many people say that that that's, you get to that point and then that's where God would translate the priest into that most holy place. But regardless of how they actually got in there, whether they crawled under or not, regardless, it's a place that we can't get to in our flesh. It's a place that we can't live in with the flesh because he's not going to share his presence not going to share his glory with another. And so, I don't know about you, but I want to do my part in not just getting myself there, but in provoking you. You provoking me. I I definitely don't do this or live this perfect by any means. I need some provoking as well. This is why I have to surround myself with friends who I know when I call them, I'll feel conviction. Because I need that provoking to get me to the point of not being satisfied on that other side of the curtain. The other side of the veil in the flesh. Amen. Can we just close our eyes? Can we talk to the Lord for a moment this morning? I believe he's, he's speaking to us and dealing with us today. Father, Jesus, we want to hear your word this morning. God, we want to receive what you would speak to us and move beyond the place of our flesh, move beyond the current place, Jesus, of the outer courts, a place, God, of contentment with going through the motions, a place, Jesus, that we can get to of our own ability or our flesh. God, I want to go deeper. I want to go past that point. I want to go to a point where your glory would descend. I want to go, Jesus, to the most holy place and live and abide at the right hand of God. Live, Jesus, in heavenly places where you would sit us to live with you, Jesus. I want to live and walk in that place with you in the spirit every day, not in the enmity of my flesh, Jesus, not in the enmity of my mind that opposes the will of God, that opposes the mind of Christ. Jesus, but I want to submit my mind. I want to submit my spirit. I want to submit my attitude, Father, to you that I may be brought beyond the veil. Jesus, that I would go to a place that's deeper in you. Well, if that's something that you want this morning, would you just stand with me and lift your hands to the Lord? I believe he wants to take us somewhere deeper than we are right now.
But we have to get to a place beyond our flesh. We have to get to a place where we put our flesh on the altar every day. Every day, every day, God, I put my flesh on the altar because I'm not satisfied, Jesus, just at the outer courts. I'm not satisfied, Jesus, just with the old. I want to go into the Spirit. I want to live and walk in the Spirit, Jesus. I want to move with you in the spirit and the supernatural. Amen. I want to, we're going to continue praying in a moment. I just want to share something with you. As Elder Hart was ministering to us, I remembered a time several several years ago probably 10 to 15 years ago at least i was in a home group uh life group setting with some some individuals from the sila congregation at the time and bishop schoonover was there and uh we were having a time of prayer and um he would just kind of call the individual one at a time and we would pray for that person. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I felt the Lord just quickened it to me. The uh, bishop called up an individual, um, a lady, and he said, we're going to pray for you, and you're going to feel and see and in your spirit. You're going to sense what is like a flame. And he said, burning at the middle of that flame, the whitest, hottest part of the flame, is what I want you to try to focus on and press to in prayer. Now, he, he just said it to this one lady. He didn't say it to the room. It was He said, we're going to pray for you, and I want you. But the Lord brought that picture back to me, just like what Brother Hart has been saying here about a deeper place. I, I know most of you, if not all of us, have experienced a deeper place in the Lord than where we most typically go in prayer. When we have seasons of prayer here in the congregation or we have an altar service or we do whatever we do, I know a lot of times we think, well, I've gone that far before, but I think today I'm just going to go this far. I know what it feels like to really feel the presence of God or the stirring of the Spirit or however He moves upon you. And you think, I don't know if I'm going to go that far today, but I'm comfortable going this far today. I want us to pray before we, before we do that, because I do, I know the Lord wants to take some individuals to some deep places in prayer here today before we are gone. But I want us to all pray together as it has been taught today about what the blood of Jesus did and what it did for the conscience and what it did for the soul and the memory and all those things. We're not, we're not so far removed from the old congregation, from the, the Bible times, what we were reading about. You and I still have a memory, a conscience, and we, we, if we're not careful, we let ourselves think, well, I, I know I prayed, I know I got baptized, I know I repented, and, and all those things, but I don't know how, how much the Lord really truly has 
forgiven me or if he's actually helped me past that or not or maybe I did it again and he is mad at me now or I'm just telling you these are places we go in our minds and they prevent us from going into the most holy place with the Lord so can we together collectively pray and truly if you would truly repent before the Lord and receive his forgiveness God I repent before you right now Jesus I'm thankful for the blood that you shed once for all God you are my perfect sacrifice Jesus you are the lamb slain for me for sin God and I receive that today and I'm thankful for that Jesus God any sin that I have that's not been put under the blood that's not been repented of and receive your forgiveness for I repent of it right now today father this moment God Lord if it's something that I've been living in I repent of it today before you Jesus in your presence here today God I want to be right before you Jesus I want to be holy before you, God, and pure before you, Jesus. Lord, in your name, do this work in us, I pray today, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. As your eyes are closed, as your eyes are closed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give another invitation for you to pray because I feel the Spirit of the Lord here and He is beckoning us. He is inviting us, encouraging us. Take a step in faith. Take a step in prayer. Let the Lord lead you in prayer. Amen. If you want to come and stand at this altar or kneel at this altar, I'm asking you to find that place and pray right now for a moment. Come on, would you let the Lord lead you in prayer? We, re we reach the point where it's no longer our prayers, no longer our words, our thoughts, but it becomes the Spirit of God praying through us. I'm encouraging you, find that place. Yield to that place. Let the Spirit of God lead that prayer in your spirit. Let Him put words to it. Let Him put feelings to it. Let it be His thoughts, His words. Come on, come on, press into a place of prayer right now. In the name of Jesus. It might help you to raise your hands, to close your eyes, to focus on the Lord. Come on, press into His Spirit. Press into His Spirit. He has rent the veil, torn the veil. So there is no separation between him and you right now. Come on. He's inviting you into his presence. He's pulling you by his side to be close to him. To find that place of prayer. That place of ministry. And he's encouraging you and I today. Live in this place. Let this be the place of prayer that you find. That you learn to walk in that you learn to participate with.
Come on, receive what the Lord is doing right now. Receive what the Lord is doing right now and join with Him. Participate with Him. Let it be His Spirit. Let it be His Spirit, the work of His Spirit. Come on, this is just something we yield to. We can't produce it. We yield to it. When you feel the pull of the Lord, when you feel the call of His Spirit, you yield to it. Allow that to operate in you. Allow that Spirit to flow through you.
Yield to the Spirit. Come on, yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. This is the Lord wanting to pray through you. This is the Lord wanting to reach through you. It's Him wanting to operate through us. Come on, he can accomplish much through the prayer of one. He can accomplish much through one yielded vessel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, use my voice. God, use this instrument. Use this vessel that you've created, Lord. God, you want to move through your people. You desire to flow through your people. It's the anointing of God that you've placed upon these vessels, Jesus, that you are calling forth, that you are reaching through. Come on, you've got a voice today, and the Lord wants to use it for his benefit, for his kingdom, for his glory. Yield to that today. Yield to that. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Don't worry about what it looks like or what somebody else might think. This is about yielding yourself to your maker, to your creator, to your master, and the spirit that's beckoning. Hallelujah. Come on, get into that deeper place. Get into that deeper place. We loose your spirit, Father. We loose your spirit, Jesus, to flow. We loose your spirit to minister. We loose your spirit to pray, to reach in the name of Jesus. Some of you are pressing against the veil of the flesh right now. And you don't know what to do from this point. I'm telling you, don't let the flesh stop or hinder 
that which the Spirit would desire to accomplish. Don't let the flesh get in the way of a work of God, of the move of the Spirit. I'm yielded to you, Jesus. I'm yielded to you, Jesus. I'm yielded to you, Jesus. Flow through us, I pray, O God. Flow through us, I pray, Lord Jesus. Come on, this is how you find out what the Holy Ghost is to you. This is how you find out what the Spirit of God ministering through you really feels like. This is how you learn how to walk in the Spirit. This is how you learn how to yield to the Holy Ghost. He lives in the holy place. He lives and he operates and he moves in the holy place. And he's inviting you to join him. He's inviting you to sit along beside him and learn how to move and operate and live this way. I want you to hear me for a second. I want you to hear this. I'm not, I'm not mad and I don't want you to misinterpret my, my tone. But I need you to hear this. Can you imagine if this was the start of service? Can you imagine if this was the start and we didn't have to work for two hours to get here? I'm just saying. We, we, we were scratching the surface of something here. We're not closing the door of something here. Do you understand that? If we entered into his presence this way, frequently, you can't imagine what the Lord would do because he would do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. What the Lord is showing us today is a glimpse. A glimpse of what life is like in the holy place. And it is an invitation to you and to me to live in this holy place. Not to vis visit it occasionally, once a year like the high priest did, or once every few months when I need an extra dose of the Holy Ghost. This is the invitation from the Lord to live, to walk to, to be marked by this ministry. Let's pray.
Come on, this is what the world is hungry for right here. Not because of you or me, but because this is the manifestation of the Spirit of God. The world is hungry for the manifestation of the Spirit of God. It's His glory. Come on, it's His glory. It's His glory. He is holy. He is holy. The Lord is holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ye anda la da la masata haye ikasata haye. This is the place I want to live in. This is the, I don't know about you, but this is the place I want to live in. I'm not talking about changing my address to 3505 Main Street in Union Gap. I'm talking about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost that's in this room right now is where I want to live.
Every eye closed for a moment, if you would. Every eye closed. Amen. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is in this room. I don't have to tell you that. I know that you, you know it like I know it. Amen. Every eye closed. We're just waiting on the Lord. Come on, this is, this is the presence of God manifested. And I don't want you to soon forget what it feels like. I don't want to soon forget it myself. This is what it feels like. The presence of God, the glory of God manifested in a place among His body, among His people. This is... The world has tried, eyes closed, eyes closed. The world has tried to replicate what we feel in this room right now. And they've tried it so many different ways. And they can produce feeling and they can produce atmosphere and they can produce a lot of things. But this is what they're trying to replicate. The Spirit of God manifested but he, it only works through his body, through his manifestation, by his glory. And when we decide, I'm not interested in anything else but his glory being manifested, he says, I can work through that. I can operate through that. I can manifest my, my presence there. Amen. This is it. This is it. Would you just pray again? Lift your voice to the Lord. Give Him some thanks. Could you do that? Express your gratitude to the Lord. Express your love to the Lord. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you are wonderful to me. Jesus, you are awesome. Jesus, you are great. Lord, there is no one like you. There is no one beside you, Jesus. My heart longs for you, Jesus. My soul longs for you, O oh God. I desire to fellowship with your spirit. I desire to live and walk, God, alongside you, Jesus. Not away from you, God, and not just waiting for you. But I want to walk with you, Lord Jesus. I want your presence to go before me, Lord. I want your spirit to go ahead of me, God, and walk with me and guide me and lead me, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. I want to walk in your ways, Jesus. I want to walk in your spirit, Lord. I want to know the voice of God, to hear the voice of God. I want my life to reflect your glory. I want my life to be a reflection of you and your greatness, your love, your power, all that you are, Lord Jesus. I can tell you, I can tell you, I can take you to the, to the buildings, multiple, where I was five years old, seven years old, ten years old, and I would have to sit under a chair for about an hour in a room like this with people doing what we're doing right now. Not preaching, not singing, 
not taking offerings, I'd have to sit there and wonder, how much longer are these people going to do what they're doing? I can take the, it's real. And I'm not the only one. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel more comfortable in this room, in this setting, than pretty much anywhere else in the world. Why? Because it's the presence of the Lord manifested. Amen? It's the presence of the Lord manifested. That ought to be our goal. Every time we come together as the body. Now, I'm not pressuring you. Understand. I'm not pressuring you. I'm telling you, notice how great this feels. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. Thank you, Brother Hart, for ministering to us today. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.